Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 17th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer at HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. And this week on the podcast, a big milestone. Sidney Crosby hits 1,000 points. We will uh, talk a lot about him, uh, his career. Obviously one of the, the best careers of this era, I would say. Maybe the best. Yeah. Can't argue that point at all. Uh, we will also discuss a hockey player stabbing somebody in the face and only getting six games suspension for some reason. Well, there's a good reason for that, but we'll move on. And coaching change. Claude Julia not only leaves the Bruins, but goes to their rival on Valentine's Day. Well, Michelle Therrien's got a hype that day. Yep. And... Um, Got some listener questions that we'll answer, uh, some towards the end and some kind of related to the topics that we have, so we'll kind of throw them in here and there. So, Sid, it finally got done. I, I'm i kind of surprised it took this long, not only like because they had Colorado and Arizona on the schedule and he went pointless, right? He did. It's one of those things. You're going to hit a, yeah. a bump. <laughs> but but also longer in the sense <clears throat> he lost his a lot of his 24 to 26 age years. He probably would have hit a thousand a while back if not for the concussion stuff. So he's the 12th fastest. He also happens to be the 12th youngest to do this accomplishment, which is remarkable considering the on the youngest part that. He missed that time. It's a very prime scoring time for him. And to do it the 12th youngest in the era that he's in, I find that remarkable, remarkably impressive. No, he's done. He's done really, really, when you think about it. Um, missing the amount of time that he did um, with the crack in the neck and, and managing to come back and play that same style of hockey. I mean, there were situations where people were like, oh, he's turned into a perimeter player. He doesn't go to the hard parts of the ice that he used to go to, which is, you know, with the way you can, you can track shot locations now, even though it's not as accurate as we would like, um, you can see that that's not the case. He still goes to those areas, and that's what makes him great. He's the best grinder bulldog the league's ever had, and it just so happens he's also one of the best skaters and skilled players. Total package. Uh, just... His ability... I've literally just finished watching the Winnipeg game, right? And his ability to push players off the puck, have them draped over his back, and then still make a good decision with the puck in how Kunitz scored his goal that got the 1,000th point. It's like that's just a prime example of, of how that's he him. does it. That's him. The amount of finesse involved in doing what he did along with sheer brute strength and willpower. I hate using those sort of terms, but the physicality of him to be able to go and do that is just amazing. No, his aggressiveness is one of his best assets, always has been. And he pushed um, – that was Blake Wheeler he pushed off the puck like that. Yeah, no slouch. Yeah, yeah no weakling, no no, no 19-year-old or anything like that that's still trying to get his legs in the league. That is a good One of the best play. wingers in the league. And a strong one at that. He's not just a nobody. I was very happy that Chris Kunitz was on the other end of that. 
Yeah, for obvious reasons. It was um, fitting. That's Crosby's most common line mate in, uh, since at least the data that I get from hockey analysis for the with or without use. It goes from as far back as 07, 08, and he's almost at 4,000 minutes with him. And that was even more than he played with Flurry. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I think if I was correct, I thought I was a little bit surprised to see that as well. But Kunitz has been a huge part of, <clears throat> you know, Crosby's success. Not that he's causing Crosby to have success, but that that's his go-to line mate. And, you know, Kunitz's goal scoring, he's, he's in his late 30s, so it's gone down. But it was nice to see Sid do kind of the hard work, get it to him, and uh, Kunitz hammer it home there. But you're right about Kunitz being his go-to line mate. I mean... Kunitz is was there for the you know the non-injured prime years of, of City if you know what I mean like Kunitz worked out how to play look to be honest so did Pascal Dupuy they both worked out how to play with Sid give the puck to Sid in particular situations and he's good to well Oli Marta's out for six weeks with a hand injury <laughs> holy crap six weeks yeah no, <clears throat> we have questions about that. We will answer them, but that yeah. that'll tie in with um, the listener questions that we were talking about. We did not have that six week information until you just told me about it. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, anyway, but back back to the whole Sid and Kunitz thing. They, you're right. They worked well together. It was nice that he was a part of that one thousand point. I was wrong on that. Flurry obviously has more minutes. <laughs> it's fifty seven hundred to four thousand, pretty much. But not by a ton, considering a goalie's on the ice all the time. Yeah. yeah. And his second most forward was Pascal Dupuis. Not a surprise there. No. it's It was good for the Penguins. With the situation that Pascal went through, at the end it was good that Pascal decided to sort of you know pull the pin on it. But... They did miss him until they could work out how to fill what he did. And also on that uh, thousandth point, Jake Ensel being on the ice, uh, my personal pick to be Kunitz's heir apparent. Well, that's not a bad call, actually. He's, he looks good out there. He seems to fit into what Pittsburgh are, are cooking, to be honest. Yeah, I, I've been pretty pro-Gensel from the beginning. He, he does a lot of things that... Um, that are just smart and good, and he's skilled. He's not a, a blazing speed guy, but he's not slow. And I like his shot release and his decision making and his hands. So, oh, there's a lot to like, and he he would he looks as though he'll fit quite well next to Sid. But that uh, OT goal by Sid, um, talk about Gino just doing all the work. <laughs> um. I love both of them. <laughs> they make me very happy watching hockey. And it's, they it's not be, always the case. They should be three on three more often. Like, how often? You want them to do it, like, normal? Just, no, 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 just OT. Like, throw them out there at OT. Oh, I thought you meant three and three in general. No, yeah, I... Of course. Latang was out there too. 
That trio should oh, no. start every overtime. He, it, Sullivan went, fuck it, let's just end this, throw him out there and see what we can do. Because <laughs> in most circumstances, Pittsburgh can come back with like a Kessel. Benito. Um, Gensel. Yeah. Schultz trio. So there's no well, reason to not go put your chips in with the yeah. uh, Crosby, Milk, and Latang trio because that's – I don't know if you can do better in the league. No, I, that's the thing. I, I find them it's – the, it's the entertainment value of it as well. I think that win, lose, or draw, you've at least got a point out of it as a fan and you're going to watch something good for five minutes – Maybe even, well, substantially less with Malcolm and Crosby out there together. And they're going to push it forward, so the chances are going to open up the other way, too. They might, you know, get scored on, but I like my chances that they don't. Yeah, so. no, it's it's, it's risk-reward, and I would rather go for the win than, than lose trying not to win. That so, makes sense. It's going to be tough for context for Crosby's career if you're just going to look at raw point totals because it's not going to be fair. He's just no, playing in an era where you can't... He's fifth highest in points per game. Yeah, and that's with real goaltending and everybody's in shape. The fourth liners in this league, while we may beat them up time to time, the gap is so much smaller than it used to be. Yeah. It's I, incredible I, that he's fifth all time, and that's that's going to obviously not stay there as he ages and plays more. I, yeah, I, I mean, you can, you're starting to see this year the, the downfall of Joe Thornton for his points per game average falling away a little bit. That's going to be Crosby's cost to his legacy will be the ability to be great longevity-wise, but not the elite elite that he currently is. But we have error-adjusted stuff, and that'll help him. It'll only help him in the eyes of those inclined to look at it, though. That's the problem. Until that stuff becomes a a mainstream relevance. The good news is by the time his career finishes up, I think we'll be well down a path that's better than where we are now which is better than what we were even five years ago that's true that's that's very true and and hopefully it's a linear progression to that and we don't go backwards in some areas but yeah i think you're right it's definitely improved and hopefully it'll keep doing that he does in my opinion have potential to be a top five player of all time yeah it's one of those things where He's similar to Jeremy Yeager in that you hear nothing bad about his workout habits outside of the game and how much he works to try and stay fit and healthy. So um, he should be able to play until he decides to pull the pin as opposed to something else stopping him. And I, He doesn't seem like the kind of player where the hands will go or the legs will go. So it'll be when he wants to pull it up. just crazy he's at a thousand I, I remember watching the the draft lottery the televised one where they, you watched that didn't you I watched it beginning to end with no idea like oh I'm watching this to, to see the penguins get Sidney Crosby like Sidney Crosby was a 
the prodigy, like a LeBron James, who's going to get him thing. And I just remember the envelopes kept being opened, and I had no expectation of anything that was happening. And quite frankly, nothing good was happening in Penguins, anything around the Penguins at the time anyways. I thought they were going to move. I'm like, why is, I'm like, my favorite team's in a world of hurt. And I wasn't going into that thing thinking, oh, if they get him, they'll be saved because what, what the hell are the real chances of getting him? So I'm watching, well, and it's a July Friday afternoon. It was like 80 out, sunny. It was a great day. So I got windows open. Everything's going all right. And then the, the envelopes, they just keep coming. They keep coming. There's no Penguins logo on it. I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, all right, this is going to suck when they – they don't get them <laughs> to drag me along. You... Just put the, pull the freaking envelope already with the penguin on it so I don't have a heart attack by the end of this. Yeah, thing. when did you start thinking? Oh I thought, God, I thought totally when they got to the last two with Burke and uh, was it Patrick up there? I think so. That um, it wasn't going to go that way. I just thought they, they, they were toying with me. <laughs> and then when they um, pulled the the penguins logo i was i i remember just yelling holy fuck <laughs> with the windows <laughs> open and I, I i lived by an elementary school at the time and it was july so school wasn't in session but there's like playgrounds and stuff and i'm like oh geez what did i do because it was really loud <laughs> i was very excited and then um you know five minutes later we have a wegmans at the end of our road for where i lived at the time and i had a 30 pack and uh called my friends up and we started partying they weren't Penguin fans, but it didn't matter. Oh. So that was a good start to that weekend, good start to uh, getting the Penguins back on track. It's just crazy. You know, I remember that day very vividly, and it's been just what it's exceeded even the highest expectations having what he's done. So, Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny as a – Penguins fan who's 37 years old and I've actually got to watch, you know, Sid and Gino play together um, through this period. I didn't really get to see, you know, Mario and, and Jaeger play together, you know, game in, game out like I have with these two. To be able to to get a chance to appreciate two all-world talents as an adult, has been a blessing because I didn't think I'd get to see it again. I honestly thought you'd, you'd end up, you know, getting to see Pittsburgh build a team around a couple of good players and all that stuff. But to see these two play together and to get to see Sid do the stuff that he does is just fantastic. There are franchises that don't even come close to the Mario Yagers, and who could? They're two of the top five players of all time. And playing together. That was, for a kid like me, you know, even being in western New York, we had Sports Channel, which is the Tri-City area, so it's Devils, Islanders, Rangers, so I would get a lot of the Penguin games that way. And then ESPN would throw them on a bunch. So even though it wasn't <clears throat> the Internet age, I was still able to digest and consume a lot of their hockey, and I couldn't ask for anything better as a kid growing up. That that was good enough for a lifetime, let alone the second act of Sid and Gino is just the luck with this franchise is unreal. And I'm glad that I'm an adult this time around to appreciate it in the now a little bit more. 
Because even though as a kid, you're like, wow, these guys are fucking good. Yeah, duh. But you don't contextualize or analyze just how good. You just kind of watch the highlights. Yeah. No, it's... it's. Look, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to watch both Sid and Gino live in a little patch that I went to Pittsburgh in 2010. And, and obviously, I never got to see Lumio and Jaeger live. So um, just the magnificence of the, the two of them is, is certainly not lost on me, and, and it's great, <laughs> to be honest. It's been... Um been great and it's been cool um i never thought i'd be covering the team so to cover them both i guess technically that's been really fun too oh yeah no uh, you it's you it's very lucky <laughs> very very lucky as fans and, and like you said to be able to cover them and, and write about them every day is is nice so this is where i'll shoehorn in one of our questions from hockey mish from the, okay. from the Miscellaneous Thoughts podcast. Uh, he's asking us for our top five Crosby moments. <clears throat> um, would you like to begin? Um, I would. I actually, my number one moment is I got to meet Sid on that aforementioned trip. And I was 30 years old at the time, or 31 at the time, and I was like a starstruck little child. I couldn't talk. I just didn't know what to say. I couldn't believe I was standing there and, you know, shaking the hand of a five foot ten. Don't even try and tell me he's six foot. Um, a five foot ten Sidney Crosby. And he was as polished as they come. Like, that's the thing. Like, you can tell that he's managed to the nth degree, but he was still nice and polite. Couldn't work out why a guy from Australia was in Pittsburgh, but was still nice enough to sign a couple of things for me and, and shake my hand and get my photo taken with him, which I've got up on the wall at home. So um, that was, I think, about five or six days after he torched um, Ryan Miller from Buffalo for a hat trick. So I, um, that's my second, you know, favourite memory. So can you give me three? And then we've got five for me. Um, I'll tie in a little bit of... Ryan Miller, because he seems to beat him up <laughs> more than others. Uh, I was at the outdoor game in Buffalo. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I, I bought the tickets off Ticketmaster right when they went on sale. I ended up getting 10. I forget what the limit was. There was a high limit on how many you could buy. I got like something upwards of near 8, I think maybe 8. <laughs> on the first row of the 200 level. So that's kind of what you want uh, with eight of my closest friends. And it was, it was fun. It's tough to, it's not an easy uh, environment to digest a hockey game, but it was the first outdoor game in the United States. Uh, great atmosphere in Buffalo. Pittsburgh travels well. Um, it was really a lot of fun. Had the snow and Crosby, Crosby shootout was um pretty good pretty perfect ending from a marketing standpoint so i think we lost cam hold on, we'll hold on. no i'm still here i oh. actually hit oh. i hit mute because i was coughing and i forgot to unmute <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, good. Okay, good. Amateur hour. So that was a really good was moment. Really good. Uh, I was celebrating. Uh, my Saber friends, not so much. Uh, and then I have another Ryan Miller moment. Even though I'm American and I didn't like it in the actual moment, Sid scoring the golden goal in overtime in Canada, he he deserves that moment. So that that's that's always stood out to me. Yeah, I can't argue argue with that. So those are two Robert. Ryan Miller moments, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me the the second Stanley Cup is probably the big one to sit because of all the naysayers about the team and his lack of leadership and ability to perform in the playoffs, even though everything points to it being otherwise, the second cup sort of vindicated who he was as a player. Not that he needed it, but for me, that second Stanley Cup was, was probably the, the next best moment for, for me as well. And I think I think as a fan, to be honest, as a Penguins fan, you go to the finals in 08 and lose, you get you win it in 09, and you look at the way that roster's put together and you think that they're just going to steamroll it again in, in 2010, and it didn't happen, and it sort of went to a mess. Oh, they were very that. good. Something happened. The Halak thing and the guy in It wasn't so much the Halak thing. It was the flurry thing. Oh, I know. I know. I know. And then it all sort of went to crap after that. So it's, it is one of those things where to, to have them win a cup again was, was good. Um, I, I have a moment from this that playoff run that the overtime goal against Tampa was... Uh, oh, the sixth one. Yeah, of course. It was funny because uh, a lot of things Sid's chasing as a penguin are Mario Lemieux related. <laughs> they are too, yeah. And he's not going to catch many of them because it's just absurd. But Mario never had an overtime playoff goal. So that's one never that needed. Sid has. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> that was a huge goal and a huge series. And, and that puck, I still say it, it bended <laughs> around to get over that blocker. That was such an amazing shot. So Defying the laws of physics. So so I'm up to three. That OT goal was a, a big one for me. The Vancouver thing, the outdoor game. What do you got any others? Um No, not not so this is this is the thing with with Sid being the kind of player that he is, is that he's not Highlight Real Central or, or anything. Oh, he, don't get me wrong, he does some amazing things, but that's not the sort of the way he goes about accumulating his stuff. Like mine was a hat trick and a personal moment with Crosby. It, it's that's the thing with the the way it works with Sid. I think is that nothing that he does particularly stands out as one particular moment. That you know, you're right. You've got the you've got the goal against the States. You've got you know the the unique event of the outdoor thing, and then you know I saw a hat trick. That's you know he's got plenty of those in his his career. So just the personal moment. That's sort of the way it works for me. I have two more, and and these are just moments that I like. Not necessarily his, you know, best. I, I was a big fan of when he hit that glove away from, was it Giroux's glove in the playoff series? 
Oh, the Chaos series? Yeah, okay. It's a small little thing, but Sid being a robot, it was one of his uh, few times where he's shown petty emotion, which I appreciated. Kind of broke (laughs) out of that professional mode, and he's like, fuck, it was a real fuck you. He's upset, he hits the glove away. His team was playing great that series, in my opinion. I don't care. Every team metric shows that Pittsburgh crushed the Flyers and... Didn't get a save. Couldn't get a save. Flyers couldn't either, which goes to show you how how bad the other side of it was. Oh, shush. Yeah, no, no, but you're right. Like, it is is nice when you see someone go out of character in a way that's not, you know, damaging to somebody else, and that was... No, it was the perfect way. It wasn't a cheap shot. It wasn't anything. Yeah. It wasn't, like, swearing audibly, like, something kids can't see or hear. It was just the petty... <laughs> hits it away when a guy's picking it up. That, that made me laugh at the time. In a series that was so frustrating, that was like a moment of laughter. It it must be a, a flurry memory for me because I have literally wiped anything from that series from my memory. Basically, I tried, tried my hardest to forget about that series. And then I guess I'll end with the Islanders' backhand goal. His first game back after the concussion stuff. Yeah. I think, was it his first shift? I think so. He comes screaming down the wing on his backhand and just goes short side roof job at home. And how can you go wrong with that? You, You know everything that he's been through. And for him to get that goal and give the fuck yeah reaction. If you watch the celebration, that's exactly what he says. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was a really yeah. great moment. I, selfishly as a Penguins, Sidney Crosby fan, but I think in hockey, everybody wanted to see him back. And unfortunately it didn't last. That, that stretch was the stretch where he got crunched in Boston. Was it? And then he missed a bunch of games again. But it was oh. so great to just see him back, and that that backhand goal was was meant no matter when it happened. But the fact it was right coming off the the really long concussion layoff was was really cool. You can't, yeah. I mean, what's that? Five or six that you've managed to come up with? It's. I mean, we could go three hours with this, but um, yeah. Mish, Mish told me to do it off the top of my head, so there you go. There's some 0809 stuff clearly in there. Big goals. Uh, I think uh, didn't Crosby and Malkin have a two-on-one in one of the Detroit games in overtime or something? It was off like a broken play, or maybe that was the Washington series. I can't remember. Uh, that big that goal Washington nonetheless. Series, you look at that that Washington series. Oh. Dueling hat tricks with uh, yeah. Ovechkin is another good Crosby moment, even though Washington yeah. won that game. But that was really cool. Like I said, we could we could go on forever because he's um, he's the best of his generation, and I don't think that's going to change. 
No, I I don't. The next generation coming through is is McDavid and Co. and, and I think McDavid, he'll be the best McDavid of that. McDavid could rival him, but he's he's got a lot of work to do. No, I know there's there's a lot in front, and hopefully he won't have the same physical challenges that Crosby did. So, all right, I guess we'll shift gears and talk. Oh, where do we want to go? All right, let's just do the Nyquist stuff. What the fuck? <laughs> like he stabbed him in the face and only got six games. It's because that's the limit. I've seen that's, that's not the limit. Well, they're no, there. I know. Okay, I got what you're saying. I've seen yeah. more passive stabs in the movie 300 <laughs> than oh, what that's he nice. did there. I agree. There's but, premeditated but, intent to harm. It's yeah. in the face. It's with a yep. stick. If yep. that's on the sidewalk outside, it's not six no. games. It's probably a few years. <laughs> Don't give it the Jail? Montreal Canadiens. Don't give it the Montreal Canadiens. No, no, no. Treatment. I'm saying if it was on the sidewalk outside the arena. Yeah, I know. You'd be in a lot of trouble. But that six-game max until it can get reviewed is what holds them up. That's why every that, – that, that is a six-game max, though. What'd they give him? He's got six, right? Yeah. Yeah, meaning they could have given him 12 or they could have given him 7. But as soon as you go over 6, what happens is they get there and it has to go to an arbitrator. They did. He declined to have the in-person hearing. They could have given him 50 if they wanted. No, no, no. Once the the ruling comes down, it can then go to arbitration. All the hearing is that they get there and discuss what he's done. Once they go above 6, they can go to arbitration on the 6. Oh, but they didn't give him more. That's no, because what's the what's the point? Because what would happen is they'd go to no, arbitration. The point is you you try it and that's just say, oh well, I don't want arbitration. No, you give them See, fifty games and you you fight it. That's but they, they they never have. This is the whole problem with the system. You look at the <laughs> no, I know they the, don't do it. I'm saying that's that's what yeah. But you look at that six you look at that six game window. And that's what all of their suspensions are built within. They don't go outside of it, which is why when we get there, they go, oh, we only got two games for this. It's because it's two games out of a maximum of six that they can give him. That's I've only just worked this out. That's where it comes from. That's where they create their measure, because anything that goes over six has to go to arbitration and can get knocked down. And they don't want to do that. It's ridiculous. I agree. They should get there and give him the, you know, give him 50 and then fight it down. I'm just throwing I, I 50 agree. out there as an... No, I knew what you meant. It was an arbitrary number, but you're right. Giving him something stupid, well, that you and I would think would be the correct call, not stupid, but and, and you get there and go, right, force the player to wind it back through arbitration. Don't give up on the arbitration idea. Look, the NHLPA are as responsible for this as anything because they're the one that put these particular rules inside the CBA. So until the CBA gets renegotiated, this is where we're at. And it drives me as nuts as anybody else. We all know that. But I've stopped getting quite as angry at it as my voice would lie to you right now with because they're not going to change the way they do it with the current people that are in charge and with the current CBA That's framework. That's they want to happen, about. though. They want people to be apathetic towards the, the stupidity. Yes, you're right. A, I, cer- I, a certain I, government um, administration probably using a similar tactic. 
so we can blame the NHL Department of Player Safety no, Control. No, no. I mean, just <laughs> you totally do absurd things to the point where people want to just give up the fight. Yeah, no, and it, it's it's one of those things. Like we discussed the Malkin hit today on what happened with Wheeler in, in the game against Winnipeg, and um, he, he might not even get a hearing for that, and he should. And our little thing that we've got for suspensions gives him, you know, anywhere from eight to, to 18 games, depending on, on what you determine was predatory or not. So you, you just, you, you need to put harsher penalties out there to avoid the stuff that Malcolm did. And when somebody does something like Nyquist did, you go down hard and you give him half a season. You don't want anybody doing that with a stick intentionally. That was totally intentional. Stabbed him in the face. Six games. I just, right. I now just, that Nyquist got six for that, how could you go above it for anything? That yes, that that's the problem. Like that's the thing. Like you, you, they do everything on precedent. What did we give somebody prior for something that's similar to this? Oh, it was that okay? Let's not change it. And the other, I, it, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. It is because the other part about that. Is that that suspension would be different if Spurgeon lost an eye, which is and as which you is asinine because it didn't change what Nyquist did. Exactly, you don't suspend the injury; you suspend the act. And it's just blind luck, pun intended, that it didn't happen. <laughs> I know. We haven't had a we haven't had a suspension discussion in a while. You because can tell because we're, we're angry. We've just been. You can't have one for every like. Because there's so many of them, but this one was so absurd. I, I don't know how we couldn't talk about it. This league, no, no. the way it's run, is fucking horrendous. There's it, no yeah. way you can tell me that Department of Player Safety it is comes close to the description of what their title is. I don't. I don't think it helps that they've got Pronger and Paros in there. I really don't. Or nepotism. Pronger did, his, Pronger did his best work trying to bend the rules as far as he could to the point where he broke them enough times. That I don't know where get... he finds the time to do this job pulling away from his Arizona Coyotes' responsibilities. And and destroying, <laughs> you know, Justin Bieber in the glass at the All-Star game. I don't know where he can where he finds the time. So, it's, to, to be that's, honest... That's that... one of the most stupid things, too, that he's a rostered active player but in the works for the league you know the thing that i find amazing is that you know i just made a joke about what he did to justin bieber right but that's what he was like when he played a dirty motherfucker who would try his hardest to injure you at every point he possibly could i actually and like he... pronger when he played but uh, that was um pre-concussion stuff like everybody... so so He's you take that into player. context, though. He is a player that played like that. He is now a part of the team nope, that is that is trying to say, oh, let's not do this because it's bad for the game. He is going to come up with every way he possibly can to say, no, 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 that's fine. And he's only, he's only out of the game because it was a puck that hit him in the head. It wasn't anything else. You know, no one elbowed him in the head. You've got to get high enough to elbow him in the head. But... You know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand what value he can bring to cleaning up the game when he was one of the dirtiest players out there. I don't know. I don't know what else I can 
have to add to it. It's just any person that looks at that situation and then hears six games as the suspension total has got to be disappointed, angry, or both. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Let's move on to something better. What else do we want to talk about? Because it's we can briefly, briefly um, Claude Julien getting fired by Boston and then going back to Montreal. And I believe the last time Julian got hired by Montreal, he was also replacing Tarion. Yeah. Did well, I read that right? You're right, because there's a very small percentage of the population in uh. the hockey coaching community <laughs> who can speak francophone. So it's a small it's a small pool that they attack. They 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 certainly do that and I have issues about that. I don't have it for this particular hire because I do think Claude Julian is one of the best coaches in the league, so it's tough to it, if he It's a perfect can, hire for them, really. Yeah, if he can sort them out in the, you know, thirty ish games that they've got left, um look out Eastern Conference because they have, you know, one of the best goaltenders floating around at the moment and whilst he's been a little hot and coldish, he gets hot at the right time of year, um, with a different attitude of what goes on in the ice in front of him, look out. Because that Montreal team is is good. Yeah, he's going to do a good job there. It's not normal to have a team fire their coach when they're in first. But when when your rival fires one of the best coaches in the league and you're kind of indifferent with your guy, I... um, I don't know how you don't make that move. No, I agree. So barring a goaltender collapse, which Carey Price is healthy, unlike last year, I don't see the Canadians really falling off. I think they'll get better. No, technically this should be like a big a big trade at the deadline move that works yeah. for the Canadians, to be honest. You should see a lot better production from their their top six that was already producing well. Now, you hope that the improved uh, underlying statistics actually result in goals because it was one of the things that Julian had a problem with in Boston was his team was possessing the puck a lot but not getting a lot of return for it. So you hope that it, it works. So not much to add there. Or you got something else? Um, no, just, you know, I I tell you what, they win all in on him, though. It was a five-year deal about four mil a year. So they, they didn't... They print money, whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know. It's, it's paid in Canadian dollars as well. It's peanuts. Oh, jeez. We're an international podcast, Cam. You are offending somebody. Dude, my dollar's terrible down here. Not enough to uh, prevent you from buying a new gift, if you'd like to oh, share. Oh, yes. I bought my first hockey stick. That's all I've... I've been walking around the house with it in my hand, and I've been playing with the pucks on the tiles, and my wife finally said, all right, that's enough. You're going to break something. So when it gets dark, I have to put the stick away. <laughs> so... 
from the picture, I gathered you, you're the correct hand. Oh, I'm right-handed, yes. yes. I would yes, be very valuable on the back end, apparently. That would be the correct correct hand. <laughs> the correct hand. It, it, <clears throat> the same handedness of the, the best player of all time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's um it's really good fun. I it's like obviously where I am, I don't have a rink near me, so I've got I've actually got a uh, a hockey net out in the backyard, and I just sit there and just shoot pucks at it at the moment. So, yes, it's been good fun in thirty five degree Celsius heat. It's great. <laughs> so the reason I kind of cut the Julian talk a little bit shorter than we probably would have. One, we covered him quite a bit talking about Boston. But we got listener questions, and they have a lot to do with what Pittsburgh should do at the trade deadline. And with the news of Ali Mata being out for six weeks and Justin Schultz probably having a concussion, there are very legit questions. Well, they've got a whole heap of cap space now because they'll just LITR him and then bring him back when the playoffs start. They'll just Patrick Kane it like Chicago did. Except they won't be getting Patrick Kane. <laughs> be getting Ali Mata. They will, but they'll have enough. Room no, no, I know what you're saying, process. but like, no, you're, I get the, I get the very valid point. So, um, this probably will work out okay for Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what they do with it. So, Ryan Flick at Flickster twenty. If injuries to Schultz and or Mata are long term, he asked this prior to the Mata news. How does this affect Pens at the deadline? Well, you've mentioned the salary portion of how it affects things. How does it affect what they actually go for? Uh, Jim Rutherford, it's tough to predict. Well, you, you wouldn't change your opinion of the fact that you and I have been looking for a top four defenseman all year, so I don't think that should change. No, in that has to what not changed. Although part of my top four idea, a lot of it was central on Mata trading him while people still have a high value of him and flipping for somebody that I'm more confident in moving forward and specifically a right side defender. Can't do that right now. No, so you get there and, you know, Twitter's been springing about all these things that Pittsburgh could do. How do you go about improving the the back end if the one trade piece you had that you could try and flip for a different style of defender is the one that's injured? Well, I my personal thoughts on the trade deadline, these injuries do not impact anything for me. Because I'm looking at a long-term scope, and I am looking to extend this Crosby-Malkin window as far as humanly possible. I'm not saying you can't make moves, but don't make big moves with a short-term focus just because a few injuries hit you. You have to keep the big picture in mind. I guess my concern would be Jim Rutherford's not exactly in this for the long term. No, that's right. So does he kind of, quote-unquote, do the right thing with the long-term scope in mind, or is it 
hey, I'm going to make the most fun out of uh, my last uh, hurrah as a GM in the league and put all my chips in, which could include a Daniel Sprong or a Gensel or something like that. You know what I mean? God, I hadn't even considered that those two players might have been an option, but you're exactly – that's the thing. Like, I don't, I I'm not saying they are an option. I don't, I'm not in that room with these discussions. No, but, but if you look but at because the of these context, injuries, yeah. I don't want those players now all of a sudden available because you got to make sure this playoff run is a Stanley Cup run. <clears throat> it takes a lot of luck to win the Stanley Cup, and part of that's injury luck. And if you just totally get short-sighted with it, you could really ruin the the way this whole operation has been tracking in a very positive way. I do have concerns about that. Yeah, I hadn't really panicked about the whole he'll do something silly along the lines of shortchange the future for the immediate now, forgetting that you're right, he is in it for the short term. He's not looking to have this job for five or six years, and it's like he couldn't care less if he burnt couple of long-term assets for immediate oh we want it again all right i'm off too bad about your depth in three or four years time so i, I, care, actually... I care deeply about that because so that window I. can stay open yeah as, as long as the young depth keeps filtering through both young on the depth front is why they end. won land well yep without no, no, it they right. don't no. no it's not why no. they won but it is why they, they won they, is because they, they had Superstars. They improved on the margins. That's, well, that's why they the were a championship team. team is because they surround. They had that support. Yeah, but they never. They never had that support previously. That's the whole not, thing. Not they improved the on the time. margins. Yeah, you're right. And and, and that's, that goes that's away. The They're just the 2013, 14, 15, 16 bullshit all over again. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. The, I. Oh man. I, like losing Mata is. It's not good for the, the on-ice product, even though he's had not the greatest year. It's worse because if this shifts their trade deadline focus to short-term, oh, God. Yeah. This could turn problems. out very bad. My, my, um, my biggest concern is looking at the two players that they've called up for Marta and Schultz being out. Not, one of them is not Derek Pouliot, which would lead me to suggest that He's going to be a bit piece in a trade, and I just think that's a waste of an asset. It's just been poorly managed, and it's disappointing because six weeks is enough time for him to work out what's going on at the NHL level, and they don't feel confident bringing him up. From all accounts, he's playing well in the AHL right now. And his early NHL samples, like his first 50 games or so, were good. And then so, they started jerking him around because he made a few uh, turnovers. They probably, maybe they didn't like his training or something. I don't, I don't know. So the two. But, but I, I, I view Ali Mata in the same light. But they let him play through it. Well, this is the thing. It's like the turnovers that Trevor Daly commits are the same sorts of turnovers in the same sorts of locations that Pulleyup makes those turnovers. So I don't, I don't get why veterans get a longer leash. Well, actually, I know why they do. I just don't think it's right that they do. 
That's well, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole Pouliot thing again. That This thing's been beaten to death. But when you call up Cameron Gauntz and Steve Alexi for... For a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets that will probably help determine whether you're at home ice or away ice in the first round of the playoffs. Well, that's why Alexi probably got called up. It's just, uh, you're right. Let's not dwell on that. So, um, do you? So, if nothing changes in your head in regards to what they should actually be looking for, you're obviously still trying to hunt out a, a good one-for-one trade, I suppose. But how do you do that now with that tradable asset injured? Can't. That was my main idea. If, who knows what the hell of, the the flurry stuff is always out there. I don't know what his actual value is. I know I wouldn't trade for him, but that's not how all GMs feel. Yeah, well, that's the that's the weird thing with the NHL general managers. So I mean, if you want to talk about the Duchesne stuff a little bit. Well, I'd take Deshane and I'd give him Fleury for Deshane. Well, no shit. It's Joe Sackick. No, know Mata, what Mata would be in that trade, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, just out of curiosity, somebody is on LITR. Are you not allowed to trade them at all, or do you have to get clearance from the team you're trading them to to go, yeah, we'll take him injured? Because what happened with the Van Der Kay? Yeah. Because didn't Buffalo take Kane on knowing they weren't going to get the play for the whole year, and they were fine with that because they were taking the crap out of the season anyway, so it didn't matter. Didn't matter. <laughs> Pun central. <clears throat> Very nice. Um, gosh, that was a few years ago. Um, but yeah, there's no, something dude. like that, but I guess maybe. But, okay, philosophically, I I think that do they? I, I. It depends. They don't need Duchesne. Duchesne's a luxury no, no, piece. They, they don't. I would be happy if they just did a one-for-one trade for freaking Tyson Barry. I know he's having a bad year, but there's more upside in Barry's game than there is in Marta's game. Yeah, I would certainly. That would make more sense to me, but. Like, Duchesne would be an awesome fit on the Penguins. That, that, that's not what I'm debating here. I would love to watch him do it as well. It's just that I think in regards to a need for Pittsburgh, I think a, that sort of a trade with a silly GM would be, be more beneficial for Pittsburgh than one for Duchesne in regards to what the team actually needs. Yeah. I guess another... Well, gosh... I might have a trade in mind. Come on. Don't leave it for your article. Tell me, tell me. I think I'm going to leave it for the article. No, I'm just oh, no, no, I'm... Oh, okay. <clears throat> St. Louis needs... You know the article will get up before the podcast goes out, right? You do know this. Maybe. St. <laughs> Louis. Goalie. Right? Yeah. 
Flurry. Mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong not exactly strong on goalie talent evaluation. evaluation. Correct. Derek Pouliot. Yep. Defense prospect. His value's not high, but it's a nice throw in. Um, Shattenkirk, rental, four million cap. Ali Mata, four million cap, on LTIR. So um, those two, those two for those two for the Kirk. No, Mata not being traded. I'm saying no, no, no. That's what I mean. Pouliot, Fleury for Shattenkirk. It's got to be more than that. And gosh, at the risk of coming off like an HF boards trade. Um, uh, Gosh, would a first rounder have to be part of that? I guess it all depends on their value of flurry. If you say it, Lewis, you you ask. And if if you're the Penguins, you see if you can knock it down to a third or a fourth. But you're exactly right. You're in that ballpark-ish. It's just a base for a trade. Some an idea. You need a defenseman. Flurry, I don't view as trading him for a rental as a problem, like at all. <laughs> yeah, but you're after the cap space. That you've been after that cap space ever since he signed the the extension, basically. So maybe that's something to think about. If you want to do the rental route, that is the only rental route I'm open for is if you get Flurry out into that um, situation. That's it. I'm not trading futures for rentals. Flurry's not a future at all. You realize that this attitude of yours is not going to help you in regards to writing articles over the next two weeks, right? Before the deadline. If I get you clever, if I get clever with some headlines, it won't matter. Because <laughs> you need to be, you need to be clever with the trade. You can't get kind of with something silly. This sensible stuff about not giving up the the future for the now is is just not on, Ryan. Well, oh well. I mean, I I can only go on how my brain works, and that's how it works. <laughs> oh, good grief! So. Uh, <sighs> It's it's funny, you know, I, I check some of the numbers and Pittsburgh are giving up a lot more, sh- you know, shots on net against this year, but their high danger shots on net aren't any higher than the playoffs last year. So the, the and, over- and you know what, when when Sullivan kind of, you know, he knows about shot attempt metrics and stuff like that, it, but he usually kind of doesn't crap on them. But he's like, you need other context. And he's right. Yeah. I think that is part of that context of, yeah, high danger chances is a definite thing you need to look at. And from what you're telling me, that's kind of flatlined in the sense that it's where it was during the cup run. Yeah, it's, it's, no, worse than, it, it's no worse than the cup run. Where they're bleeding more shots is the mid-range chances. That's where they're bleeding shots. They're and... giving up... Giving wouldn't up you know more it. of those. Sorry? And I said, wouldn't you know it? I, for some reason, have a window open, Flurry and Murray, from this morning. Since 20, the beginning of 2015-16, uh, 
medium danger save percentage. Matt Murray, 95.06. Flurry, 91.63. Yeah, and you, you, oh, so I was doing the numbers today. You look through and you go, that's where Flurry's lost it. He's lost it in those. He can't see the puck through traffic. Like when they're shooting from that medium range trouble, that's when you start getting traffic. And I have a feeling that that concussion has really worried him in regards to his his movement left to right, not trusting himself to not get whacked again. And it wasn't even like somebody blindsided him. It was just a puck hitting him in the helmet. So, um, you know, I, I think we've seen the, the, the best of Fleury, and we did that all the way back in, you know, 07, 08. Um, but I can't see any of this getting any better for him <laughs> going forward. And, and that mid-range save percentage is, is the most concerning for me. And it's usually one where most goalies are, they're all within a very tight grouping. It's the high danger yeah, save well percentage that. Yeah. Um, low danger, if you have a bad year, very high chance you're back to, you know, that'll always regress back to that normal spot. High danger is kind of where you see the separation in skill. And that's where Murray separates himself, is in there. He's good there too. Yeah. Like, it's it's one of those things where I know it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm bailing out on my, my favorite player, but it's just the, it's the reality of the numbers in that you just get there and, and watch it. And you, 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 you watch the games, you look at the numbers, and you can actually see it now when you watch the game. You can see where he's struggling. Like, I don't think I've seen him this flippity-floppity since his rookie year when he was flying all over the ice. He just doesn't look like he trusts himself to be anywhere on his angles or anything like that anymore. So it's all athleticism that's making his saves. Um, but he's lost his technique on the post again. He's getting beat on wraparounds. And it's like you don't sort of have to worry about that thing because they're going with Murray. And, and you can see that, that Murray's got all those areas that he needs to have covered off done. they can move him. Well, they need to. For, for both of their sakes, maybe he just needs a fresh start in another in another hockey town, but he's, his ability to rein in his flaws is, is gone at the moment, so you know. Alright, let's find some other... That was a, a long-winded answer to Mr. Flick's question. Yeah. Uh, Lassiter four two four two. What's the team with most to gain by giving up on the season and selling? I say Dallas. Some very nice rental pieces there. Yeah, uh, Dallas is certainly one. Patrick Eves is having a great year. He's a bottom six player. You could probably get assets that are better than a bottom six player. Uh, for example. Um. I suppose, and this is this is the thing. That's a really good example because they get rid of their rentals. They've still got their core there. Their core as a fundamental rule is still pretty good. Patrick they, Sharp. Yeah, well, he they should let him go. They just need to find no, a way. No, but he's, he's a UFA. I'm saying rental. Yeah, that's Cody exactly Eaton, right. Or, sorry, not Cody Eakin. Yuri Hudler. I know he's had a he had some illness stuff at the beginning of the year, but Johnny Oduya. No, they've got like that's the no, thing. Oh, jeez, that's going to be a Penguins target, isn't it? I do, yeah. Right. Oh, I hope. Not. Right? Doesn't that scream? 
Uh, it does. Let's just hope that the boys that crunch the numbers can crunch them well enough and talk. Well, hang on. Would you take a do year if they took Fleury? Yeah. I mean, oh, they can't because that's $4 billion in net, but... Yeah, I mean, I would because the contract's gone, the Murray thing's settled. And... Yeah, yep, I know, I know. And that's that's the one caveat with any of these trades where you go, oh, do I really want that player? It's like, well, if Fleury gets released from Pittsburgh on the trade, then you kind of can deal with it. Who else is kind of floating out of contention? Hey, has Mike Green got another year on his deal, or is this the last year of his deal in Detroit? Who? Mike Green. No, he's got one more. Yeah, okay. I, I, I brought Mike Green up a little while ago for, for Pittsburgh to look at. Yeah. If they could shed the salary, because he's still playing really good in that yeah. situation. At $6 million, it, it seems a lot for him. But you're getting closer to that six million value than you think. The term is not yeah. outrageous. He's not going to fall off a table before that term's up. So I don't know what it would take to get him out of there. Thomas Van- Detroit should be selling. They they should be looking yes. at Vanek for sure. I don't know if he's hurt or not. He's uh, Brendan Smith is a UFA. Well, maybe there's a 2.75 mil. I could, well, maybe another Pittsburgh option. There are so many teams in the East that are close enough to the playoffs, even though you can sort of scratch them from the list of going, they're going to make it, that they're not going to sell. Like if I was New Jersey, I would sell. But they're close enough to the playoffs to think. No, well, I don't think. Know. I don't think they do think that. I hope not for their sake. Mark Smart's the pending UFA. <laughs> He's on the Devils roster. Who is? Mark Savard. Oh really? Oh my God. Hey, do you reckon Pittsburgh should get by better? Mate? No, they have to <laughs> four. I like. I like he's actually been a good possession guy for them. I'm kind of surprised his offense never took off. Yeah, good we both hands, are. decent enough shot. It just I don't know. PA Parento would be a good rental for somebody. Yeah, he would. You're right. Yager, watch. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Oh, I know you just teasing. I know. You know. Anybody with, like, five teams to jump in the standings to make the wild card should be thinking about their UFAs and if they really need to keep them. I, I, I agree. No, I, it's, yeah. But Dallas, definitely. And I agree with uh, Lassiter, 42-42. Dallas has got some really nice pieces that they could really get some futures for. Yep. And, uh, all right, so just... Just quickly then, like, you go and run with that theory. So Buffalo's, Buffalo's out of it then, technically. Right. So what do you do What do you do with Evander Kane? Like, Garrett Smith, 
asked a question in regards to, you know, he's been hot at the moment five on five. Do you try and move him and, and get a D if you're Buffalo or do you just stick with him? I would stick with him because I quite like what Kane can bring, but he does have extracurriculars that can be a problem. Um, you tell Garrett I'm not answering this question unless his younger brother comes to play for me again next year in high school. Ah, well, <laughs> that's how this works. Yep, that's how it works. <laughs> All right, so come back to us, Garrett, and we'll answer no. the question next week. Now his brother's our top-line center. Uh-huh, enough said. <laughs> um, no, Garrett, um, well, the thing you got going for you, Evander Kane is hot. And I think they have some nice top six forward pieces already. Their defense is dog shit. If you could find a defenseman, a top legitimate top four defenseman for Evander Kane, that would be what I would look for. If you can't get that, I would just keep him for now. So you, you'd give him up for just a, a top four defenseman, so somebody that's a number four, or are you after somebody well, that's actually a number two? I don't know if you could get quite a two, but a three would be... So three three are up. No one's crazy enough to give a one, but you're saying a three are up. Yeah, okay, that, that sounds reasonable. I would give... I don't even know if this is feasible. I would give Evander Kane to St. Louis for Shattenkirk if Shattenkirk would agree to... Yeah. yeah, I would yeah. throw other stuff at that too because that's exactly kind of what they need. It, it's really funny. If he does go to UFA, so say he stays in St. Louis, I will be really interested to know where he goes and who ponies up for him in regards to where that team is in their life cycle of their current run. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be fascinating to see where it all sort of falls out. So I, I would I would shop him. See, I wouldn't. I, uh, he's twenty five. You're right though. They're, they're Top and forwards are not yeah, you're an right. issue here. Yeah, it's the back end. Eichel, Reinhardt, O'Reilly, Oposo. That's a good start. Um. Bogosian, Kulikov, Georges, Franz, and McCabe, Falk, Fedden, who I don't even... I'm in western New York. I don't even know who that is. Um, <laughs> and and Ristolainen, who's playing in a role that is just not fair to him. He's, he can't handle it. Yeah. Um, so you got to do something there. Yeah. That's my take on it. Plus, he had that legal stuff, and they're not happy yeah. with him about that. No, they're not. That's a fair, fair uh, point to make in amongst it. Um, oh, I'm just going to mention a question, B. Murphy 84 if the Pens did trade for Landis Cog or Duchesne for the expansion draft, do they protect 7-4, 3-D, or 8 skaters? It's... Um, it's too early for me to entertain that question. So many things can can happen, and um, it's just too early. 
I can't answer that. Can you? I can. No, I, I, I can't. Good, it's a good question, just maybe a little too soon. Come on, we're just trying to deal with Marta being injured. Jesus. <laughs> I think that was before the uh, yeah, I know, news I know. came out as well. <laughs> uh, another Marta question. Um, Anna Manderis, 84. Mata skating, something he could focus on and improve to at least average if healthy in offseason, question mark, or is that too hard to improve? I think the stride is what it is. He's got a longer, wonkier stride. I don't think you're ever going to really significantly improve that foot speed. Now, a proper offseason, the stride could get stronger, and what that would do is when you're trying to push somebody off the puck or keep somebody off of you, you could do a little better there. But I don't think, like, top speed or agility or anything like that's going to – I don't think you're going to see that markedly ever improve. I don't think his agility will, but I think his actual top-end speed could improve. If you can get there and actually strength – like, get more power out of his hamstrings and glutes. Uh, this, it's it, not a – Top end stride. <laughs> no, no, I really look. The problem he's got is he, from zero to whatever his top speed is, is a long time to get to it, and then you run out of ice. So I get your point. He's not. He's never going to be a player that can accelerate quickly. Um, the stride it, from my eyes and seeing is not conducive to fast. No, it's not, but it doesn't mean he can't work on it and try to improve it, and well, he's never had an off-season. I don't see too many people in their mid-20s drastically changing their stride, unless they're beginners, and it, they they actually learn how to skate from where they were. What about 37-year-olds? Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. Like Your stride is your stride almost at that point. It would take an incredible amount of off-season work to change that core structure of a skating stride no i i fully appreciate that the mechanics from a youth to now are, are very well ingrained it would be asking an awful lot so you know his strides doing better than his hand right now i'll say that <laughs> it is what it is basically yeah i do feel for for ollie just a ridiculous uh jason Mackey of the uh, pittsburgh post gazette in 219 games spread over four years ali mata has had two shoulder surgeries thyroid cancer mumps and now hand surgery yeah it's not that's it's tough not that's a tough tough like you, you you sit there and and we wax lyrical about the time that that sid's missed but you know Mata's missed a truckload and he's what is he 23 now You know, he's still got to go and do his, his time in the forces as well. Well, I don't have any other pertinent questions, I don't think. No, I think we covered off everything that everything that everyone asked. So. All right. Sid, congrats. It's been awesome. I look forward to another... 12 years, maybe not at quite the same production rate, but 
very much have enjoyed the career. It's been highly entertaining. Uh, as a fan, I've been very spoiled to have him on my favorite team and then have him on the team I cover. So it's been Lucky great. man. So I, we'll wrap that up. Hockeyhurts.com. Also, patreon.com slash hockeyhurts to monetarily donate to the podcast. Uh, I have to thank everyone. There was some new written reviews on on iTunes and other places, so uh, much appreciated. Keep doing that. That That's um, kind of you. It doesn't take, and I'm guilty of it too, it doesn't take long to do it. It's just that it, you, you never actively... <laughs> Go to go and do it. Yeah, I know. So, so my promise here is I'm going to today, hopefully, do what I'm asking of you guys with the other podcasts that I owe it to. So Yeah, I might have to go and have a look at some miscellaneous thoughts and maybe write something down for that. <laughs> so HockeyBuzz.com for Penguins-related articles. Trade deadline coming up. Mata injured. I should have some stuff on that. The Mata stuff today, and who knows where it goes from there. At Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hertz, at Gunnerstall. And that will do it. See you next time. See you, guys.